Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Close, coming to you from the Great White North. I'm Michael Close, and I'm glad to have you with us. On this podcast, you'll hear interviews with magicians from around the planet. I try to ask questions designed to spark robust discussions, giving you information and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you enjoy these podcasts, I hope you'll stop by michaelclose.com and check out the products we have available. And now, let's get into today's podcast. My guest today, another old friend, uh, although his path and my path uh, cross only infrequently. It's always fun to spend time with him. Uh, the last time I got to spend a little time with Boris Wilde was uh, the last time that I did Fool Us in person, uh, which is a couple of seasons ago, a few seasons ago before the pandemic. And of course, uh, he did a trick that continues to have the internet buzzing with how in the world did he do that? Uh, I know how he did that, so if you'd like to send contributions to the Michael Close, I'll tell you how Boris did his trick fund. You, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Boris, of course, has lectured and performed all over the world. He has a new manuscript out called Variations that will be distributed to your local favorite magic dealer through Murphy's Magic's Wise, and we'll be talking about that. Hello, Boris Wild. So nice to talk to you today. Bonjour, Michael. I'm so happy to be here with you. We can talk a little bit. It's been a while, but it has been a while. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm glad you. uh, I'm glad you did this. Are you in Paris? Yes, right now I am. uh, Yes, right now. So uh, you live in Paris? Yes, just a little bit outside, so I can still hear the birds singing and not coughing, which is oh, that's well, (laughs) that's important. That's important, and yet still close enough to Paris to get a baguette and. something with cheese on it so it all works oh, out just yes. fine Definitely. it all just works out <laughs> fine um so let's talk about your background a little bit i sort of know about this but maybe uh people don't uh were you born in france yes i was born in the north of france a uh, little city uh next to lille which is like the biggest city by the belgian border and um, yeah, nobody was uh, in show business, I would say, <laughs> or any magician in my family. Just a very uh, okay. humble family from the north of France. Did um, I know you sort of the bug bit for you kind of young because uh, somebody performed a magic trick for you and, and sort of got you on your way, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, uh, my father was a mailman and one of his uh, colleagues, uh, came to dinner at home one night and he just came with a cup, you know, deck of cards, couple of tenure tricks. And at that time for me, magic was just on stage, you know, those big boxes and, mm-hmm. you know, big things. And then I suddenly saw magic right under my nose and I had no idea what closet magic was at that time. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> now, were there any, uh, you know, for a lot of us uh, who fall into this young uh the library ended up being a big deal um our libraries in france in france in france i'll try that in english stocked (laughs) with uh do they have magic books or is it harder to find information or how did you get the information that you were looking for it was yes it was quite hard at that time honestly uh since i was by the belgian border the closest magic shop was uh, mephisto at that time in uh in uh uh and um but you know it, it's it was not like today i mean you had to call you had to take an appointment you couldn't no. see anything from the outside it really it was very special to go to a magic shop it was just 
it was just a regular house, but when you opened the door, it was amazing. Uh, but since they were in Belgium, most books were in English. So I could still find a few things in French. I remember finding Patrick Page's book in, in French in a supermarket <laughs> and wow. I bought it. And um, so I was very happy. It was really my first book. And then I, um, yeah, I discovered the um, um, Dominique Duvivier's uh, Cartomagie 2000 series. And, um, and so, yeah, I could like learn like the, you know, the, basic skills like the Amsterdam and everything mm -hmm. uh, in, in French at least and uh, yeah and then I you know met my uh, teacher Philippe Poirin and I took lessons with him and then yeah it was just a difference of course um, what was the your, what was your teacher's name again Philippe Poirin like hmm. Philippe Warren if I really knew oh it, I but, see okay uh, yeah yeah um, and he is um, doing mind reading doing close-up everything and so um, yeah so did you have uh, like formal lessons with him or is it just somebody that you visited and he shared stuff with you uh well basically when i um, um when i uh my friends of my friend of my father came at home to do some close-up tricks and i really enjoyed and he said well you should you know you should come and uh we are like every tuesday there was like a little uh, uh local place yeah. where like a few magicians meet and you know whenever we uh whenever this professional magician doesn't have a gig he comes to us and he just teach us you know more like you know advanced oh, stuff I see. and that was him and then um you know we did like a little show together like you know uh, the moms were doing like cakes and stuff selling at the uh, intermission and uh and i did my the only five minutes of magic i could do in my entire life which is like size stabbing some professor's nightmare and <laughs> at that time <laughs> and he saw me and he says i like your style do you want to you know do you want to have private lessons because i think there is potential i'm like Sure, I took my parents at the time. I was twelve, and um, and yeah, I took like more like formal uh, private lessons with him. Oh wow, that's um, great! But it's really, it's really fantastic and fortunate when you're able to find someone who can mentor you, uh, especially when you're at an age where you're just a sponge and you're just ready to, mm. you know, soak up every bit of information somebody can uh, can give you. Um, mm -hmm. As you sort of, uh, I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit. Uh, did you go to university? Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, I I, um, I graduated. My my parents have always been very very uh, supportive with me. They always supported me with magic. They've been amazing. I couldn't drive at that time, so my my dad was driving me everywhere to gigs oh. and stuff. That was amazing i mean i i'm so 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 grateful to them and uh and they always said yes you can do magic as much as you want as long as you study you got good grades and and you 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 get you know you go to college and everything so i went to a, um, a private school for uh, communication marketing advertising mm. um and um yeah for like two years and then started to do internships uh, and uh, moved to France, where I worked four years as a marketing manager for Playmobil, the brand, little toy brand. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you went to school outside of France? Uh, no, I did. I did all of this in France. Oh, in the north oh, of I, France. oh I see. Yeah. And then moved back and then moved to Paris. I see. Yeah. And moved to well, Paris. Yes. Well, getting getting skills in marketing and communication, certainly there's a, there's a college degree that you can use when you decide to become a professional magician so that's that's, that's a why smart I, move that's why i chose that because after graduating i had no idea what to do and then i thought well 
since magic is, you know, starting to go pretty well, maybe I should find something that could be helpful for me. So maybe instead of selling, you know, a, a product, I could, you know, sell myself in the future, hopefully, and that could be useful. And that's why I chose this. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. So uh, when did you, uh, when did you uh, start working professionally as a magician then, year-wise? Um, um, it was uh, after physics. So after, uh, oh, after FISM, okay. After FISM, yes. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, from I started magic in '85, and for like about ten years, uh, I was just working and like studying first and working, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then uh, I did the French National Convention. Uh, I was working on the new act at that time, the Kiss Act, and uh, I just went there and said, "Hey, I've, I've been, I've done like competitions in the late '80s, early '90s." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stopped for like five, six years because, I mean, I was, you know, I've done it. It was fine. Uh, and for some reason, I said, well, maybe I would like to do another one, but with something different, with something special. So I worked on the Kissack for about three years, went to that convention and came back with the Grand Prix, which has never been given to anyone in close-up card at that time. And, uh, and, that, and they've been given like, I don't know, three or four times in 20 years only. Yeah. And people were like, Okay, well, now you should go to the next step. There is a Macmillan International Close-Up Company in December in London. You should go. I'm like, are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, you should go. It was just two weeks, two months after. I went there and I got a prize also. Bob Sheets won. I got second. And Oh, you can't feel bad about coming in second to Bob Sheets. (laughs) You know, Bob Bob Sheets is one of those people you don't want to be in any kind of contest with. I'll tell you that right now. It's, it's, I, I didn't uh, know at that time. I didn't know him. But now I know. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Well, can't help it. You can't help. It. Who's, who's, in the, who's in the contest? Oh, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, and Bob Sheets. I'll oh, just give it to Bob. Okay. Everybody can go home. <laughs> we'll save some time in the contest. Um, I think that's what happened, but yes. And then after that, people were like, okay, then it's visit next year. I'm like, well, it's good timing. Cause it's every three years. So I was like, are you kidding? I'm not going there. And then I went to visit got a prize there and then after that i quit my job i I had to quit my job because i couldn't do both at the same time i like to do things well i don't do them and then that's when i become professional fism of course gives you that that great um that great promotional boost that uh if you can put together a lecture and you have things to sell that uh, back of the room sales to support the you know the all the expenses that are involved in in lecturing um, it's the perfect time to do it. I mean, especially, you know, if you're young and healthy and, uh, unattached, uh, you know, just go see the world. And I think that's a fantastic yeah. thing to do. Exactly. That's, you just sum up everything perfectly here because yeah, I was 24, 25 at that time. And, uh, I was married, no kids. And, uh, and beside the kiss act, I created my deck and I was starting, uh, just starting to, you know, lecture a little bit in France about it. Uh, but I could see like lots of interest in it and I started to develop more things with the deck and that became the lecture. And so it was nice, as you know, to have this lecture plus the act for oh, conventions yeah. and festivals and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, once you've wanted FISM with it, then everybody's curious about it. Well, what's this, what's this thing, you know? So you've got lots of marketing potential in terms of being appealing to both conventions and to magic clubs who, who might want to see you. Uh, let's talk a moment about the KISS Act, because um, 
there's a, a very nice uh, interview that uh, David Acker did with you in Genie Magazine a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I tracked that down and to uh, refresh my memory on a few things. Uh, the, the one thing it refreshed my memory on is they should never let Acker do interviews with everybody because he just can't do it with a straight face. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's too funny of a guy. But it, it, I didn't realize that you were the first. Now, is it first close-up or first close-up card guy to compete at FISM at, in a silent act, close-up silent act done to music? Is that, uh, did I say that right? I, yeah, I mean, I think so for cards, uh, yes, because I know that I was sh- surely not the first one to use music for close-up, that's for sure, or even for cards. Um, but to not use music like as a background thing, like talking or telling a story, but just like being entirely silent, doing only cards, and it was not even cards, I mean, it was not like playing cards, so it was just like different kind of cards. Um, I, yes, I mean, as far as I know, yes. And it was the good example of that is that I, um, just before the rehearsals for the uh, competition, I came to the technician with my CD at that time and says, hey, uh, this is my music for the act. And the guy looks at me and says, oh, no, 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 no. It's close up here. Like, stage is tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I'm a close up competitor. And he's like, why do you give me a CD then? And I'm like, because I use music in my act. And he looked at me, took my CD like this, like, hmm. And he just looked at me up and down, like, what, what kind of strange Frenchie is this guy? And, and then I realized, oh, okay, I might be the only one with music in the competition, at least, because he seemed so surprised. <laughs> but did he pull it off? I mean, the, he handled the music properly, though, didn't he? I mean, oh, yeah, you got, yeah. you you got everything you needed. Oh, yeah. He just, oh, yeah, wasn't, yeah, but just he, wasn't ready for it. He was not ready for it at all. He just thought I was a stage guy, and he just didn't understand why he was using music in close-up. I was like, okay. what uh what was the inspiration what was the impetus that got you uh thinking about mark dex and to to come up with your own system that is so well known now around the world and by known around the world i mean by layman because everybody has one of those decks no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) just kidding just kidding uh it's I think, I, I mean, I thought about this again because it's the question I, I, I got already a few times and I, I thought about this because I was like, man, there, there must be something that one day clicked. And I thought and I found. One day I was doing a, a close-up gig and uh, I, um, I was doing my, you know, car routines and stuff. And the guy was like, oh, that's great, yes. And he says, well, give me your deck. And he just grabbed my deck and he shuffled, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay. Just, you know, find me the four aces now. And I was like, sure. So I just took the deck face up. <clears throat> and I just, you know, spread the cards face up between my hands. I'm like, okay, as you can see, all the four aces are pretty much randomly, you know, lost in the deck because you shuffled. And as I was doing that, of course, I was curling the four cards. And then I produced them. Uh, and the guy looked at me totally unimpressed. And he says, I don't think you understood what I asked you. Like, what do you mean? I mean, you wanted to, me to produce the aces. That's what I did. And I know my curl is, you know, not too shabby. So it was not about that he saw something. No, he just just looked at me and says, well, you just looked at the cards. And he just took the cards again, put the aces inside, shuffle and say, yeah, just, you know, produce the aces. But don't, don't look at the cards, please. And I got stuck. 
I had to admit, I mean, at that time I got stuck. I had no idea, no clue how to handle that. And I drove back home angry at myself. I was mad at me because I was like, damn it, I'm a magician. And somebody challenged me on something and I couldn't respond to it. I couldn't do anything. So I got interested in Mark Dax. And um, of course, the first one I, I uh, really learned was the um, Ted Leslie. Mm. Uh, like, you know, his, his little booklet uh, from 1983 at that time. So it was not like, you know, not so long before. Um, and yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant idea. And, but still, I got stuck because in the system, just like the Decrum deck and a few other ones, and of course, Dellen and other ones, it was either not, not direct marking or if it was direct marking like Ted Leslie, it was like in the center. You couldn't spread cards and find anything. And, I, and basically, I was like, okay, I'm still, su- I'm still stuck. I mean, I studied all kinds of mark decks at that time I could find and reading stuff. And there's not so many stuff in books about mark cards or like here and there. There is a trick, but there was not like a book on that or mm-hmm. very few. And what I found was not very, you know. Uh, um, so I said, okay, I need to find a way to make that happen. How can I spread the deck in between my hands face down? And in a couple of seconds, I can find any card, even if it's shuffled, or I can produce the card, anyone that, you know, yeah. mentioned for aces. And that's it. Well, it, I find that really interesting. Um Remind me when the interview's over, I'll teach you how to nail Nick cards. It would have changed your life. Okay, sure. You I know, love that. nail Nick the four aces as the guy puts them back in. Don't eat them marked. Just shuffle them <laughs> up, pal. And now you go. Okay, there's one. I'm just. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just okay. kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but what I find, what I do find interesting about this is that basically you had a specific need and a specific effect in mind when you went about deciding how you were going to create a system for marking the deck. In other words, it was the challenge of if somebody says, find me the four Queens and you need to do that with the deck face down. Mm -hmm. How are you going to do that in a way that looks natural and casual and that you can get them just by a, a quick yep. spread through up spread through of the deck. Um, mm-hmm. You know, exactly. in, in, in my case, coming from the mem deck world, I, I approach that problem in a different way, but of course oh, yeah. that way, that solution doesn't help if the spectator shuffles the deck, hands it back to you and says, now find. Yeah, that's those true. I was of, not, that, I was, those I was not using mem deck at that time. And yeah. I, I was doing like table hopping stuff. And of course those cards are shuffled all the time. I couldn't sure. really use like the mem deck. And to be, yeah. I mean, and to be very uh, um, precise, it was funny because at that time I didn't know mark decks. I have never used the mark deck. So when the guy challenged me to find the four aces, I looked into mark decks and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use a mark deck. And obviously I'll be able to do it. And then I realized I could not do it. And I was very disappointed at first. So before I created my method, I didn't create my method because I said, oh, I'm going to, I want to create my method. No, it was just, it came from a disappointment and from, and not understanding why it was not possible with the system at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, there is a gap here. Maybe I can try to fit it in some way and put some thought work in it create another system yeah it's um it's 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 fascinating to me how how people approach those kind of uh, those kinds of situations i mean uh 
one of the things I find interesting is, uh, you know, people are having conversations about which memorized deck do I learn? Mm-hmm. And um, in my case, you know, back in 1990, I didn't have that many options because Tamaris was not available in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, really it was between Aronson and maybe Nicola or the Ireland mm-hmm. stack or the Marlowe yeah. stack, which is in print. And the one thing about that whole situation was, is that I knew exactly how I wanted to use a memorized deck before I started. So that way the choice of the stack was almost inconsequential because any stack would have worked for what I, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. Yeah. But now, of course, the situation is uh, far more complex uh, for anybody who wants to try to learn memorized deck, simply because a lot of guys have been thinking about it. A lot of guys have been very creative in terms of what they've come up with. But uh, having that goal of, I need to solve this problem, how am I going to solve it, uh, is really the key to identifying the problem, I think, is the key to being able to come up with anything creatively as far as, uh, as, far yeah. as all that goes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were on Fool Us. Did you have a good time? Have you have you been on more than once? I'm sorry to have to ask that, uh, but I yeah. don't recall. Just, yeah, not once. Yes, yeah, season seven. So just just just, just that the, one time. Yeah, just okay. the last one. Yes, I waited um, a little bit before doing it. That's true. <laughs> um, did you enjoy the experience? Yes, yes, I absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, I it was very. I mean, I'm a very nervous person by nature. So I, um, yeah, all the preparation and all the uh, rehearsing at home and going there, and it was something that it was, it was hard for me to handle, to be very honest, because I know that it's honestly it's the best magic show in the world today, and and you got Penn and Teller, it's in Vegas, and yeah, but I mean, first of all, I mean, you were, you you were there, so and I know you, and I you take such such great care of people, and you we are sure and you we feel very comfortable so that really helped a lot for my anxiety and and being okay. nervous and everything but honestly uh, yes i mean they take care of us everyone yeah. you and everyone Great. take care of us so well that's yeah yeah i'm very uh happy to be a part of that team simply because uh every every single person involved in the show is just really wants the performers to you know, it's, it certainly has to be said that it's, it's not a situation that is without stress. There's certainly uh, some stress involved. There's a, you're busy. There's lots of things that uh, require your attention in terms of shooting mm-hmm. the video that's going to be uh, shown before you come on and, you know, having to be where you have to be. And, uh, but uh, there sure are a lot of people who are trying very hard to make sure that you have a great time while you're going through all the jumping through all the hoops. Oh so, yes, and oh, yeah. uh, and that was really um, that was really uh, enjoyable for me to see that performance sitting there in the in the truck and uh, <laughs> seeing how it all uh, how it all wrapped up. It was uh, it was one of my I have like a dozen of think experiences that I really just love having watched on Fool Us, and yours is one of them. It was it was great fun, oh, wow. and <laughs> um, you. you are uh, a masterful. Uh, performer and that's all I will say about that because uh, otherwise uh, otherwise I'll be depriving you our listeners at home of sending me a lot of money to find out how Boris Wilde did that trick <laughs> on Penn and Teller Fool Us I call it my 
daughter Ava college fund. So send that cash to my, no, I'm just, uh, we're not going to do that. We're not, <laughs> but speaking of sending your cash for fun stuff, you have a new manuscript out called uh, variations yes. and <laughs> uh, all card tricks, but interesting card tricks, interesting card tricks. Um, is there a, a story behind how all that came about, or you've just been cooped up during the pandemic and, coming up with material and uh, time to let it go play in the world. Yeah, well, I, um, it's, uh, I, I was working on a new lecture. Uh, so, uh, so far, I think it's, I did five different lectures since I started to lecture in 97. So I usually like every, I don't know, three, four years, depending. I mean, I try to come up with a new lecture, all new material, uh, just, you know, to go back where people were, happy you know to have me before and also just because it's I don't want to do the same lecture and I don't want to do like you know uh, now in 2021 something that I've done you know in like in in 99 and just do it over and over because it just pushed me it pushes me just to you know renew and and keep being creative and work on new stuff so that's what I do and during the pandemic yes I mean I was supposed to uh, keep you know performing my uh, previous lecture sensations and of course it stopped and I was, I didn't feel like coming back with the same lecture after the pandemic. And I had time, which was new for me because no traveling. And because usually I take a, you know, I take a brain every uh, five, six weeks and now suddenly, boom, nothing for a year and a half. Uh, so, okay. I said, well, time for a new lecture. And, um, and also it was time for me just to dig into, you know, books and videos that I wanted to study again and I just one day I just watched a video and I'm like oh that's a good trick maybe I I could I could work on it and then of course traveling blah 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 and forgets and then I came back to those videos and books I studied the routines and I was like they're great but they don't fit me perfectly or they don't fit me well or I'm not comfortable with this and that and um, and I decided to create my own variations of these routines and um and that's i thought okay that's gonna be the new lecture so we're gonna talk about this and then i started to write lecture notes that became 20 30 40 50 60 70 pages i'm like they're not lecture notes anymore it's not like a big book but it can be like a little book yeah and well so and it's, yeah uh, the, the thing i like about it i'm gonna have a review in the newsletter and i you know for people who like card magic i think they'll enjoy that i think they'll enjoy it very much but uh you have a wide variety of uh, technical skill levels in there. I mean, the opening trick, as I recall, is n- no sleight of hand at all. Yeah, I mean, exactly, you could yes. you could you do don't... it on a, you could do it on a Zoom call. I think am I exactly. right? Exactly, it's called Zoom yeah. nine, and there, you don't even touch the call. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's others where you get uh, you, you have a color changing color changing card, color changing deck. Yeah. Um, I think and things change colors a lot during that routine, but you oh, get, yes. you get a, a tremendous amount of bang for the buck with just a couple of, of quite simple gaffes and, uh, and some neat handling. Um, yeah. And I wanted to do something also without mock deck. So, I mean, that's the, like, like three quarters of the routine in the book uh, don't require a special deck. So it can be borrowed. It's an ordinary deck. There are like a couple of routines where, yes, you need like a simple gaff that you already have at home and there is nothing with the monk deck. So that's another thing I wanted to come back with. So people are going to be like, oh yeah, Boris, while lecturing, hey, yeah, monk deck stuff. No. Oh, okay. 
So again, not just to be seen as the guy doing the same thing over and over. Uh, but full disclosure, at the end of each trick, you do have a thing that says, oh, by the way. Yes, of course. <laughs> if you have a mark deck, here's what you can do, which it's, it's, I think that's fine. There's no problem with that. But yeah, yes. I, I like the fact that so many of the uh, routines there can be done with a borrowed deck. I think that's, um, I think that's a terrific thing. Uh, and it's a diff- different for me because I, I, I come up with lots of routines with either uh, the mock deck or gaffs and stuff. And sometimes, you know, people say, oh, can you just describe a trick for our magazine and stuff? And I don't want to say, I don't want to put a trick with the mock deck because people will be like, oh, yeah, but I don't have one. How can I make it? And if I do put something with gaffs, you know, so it's better with a regular deck. And then I realize I got stuff, but not so many. So maybe it's time again to fill a gap <laughs> and be like, sure. yes, I, I need to expand a little bit more my work on that side of yeah, the magic. Or you could simply preface uh, every trick by saying, uh, here's a miracle that can be done with a borrowed deck. Step one, mm-hmm. borrow a Boris Wilde Mark deck. <laughs> or a mem deck from or a mem deck. the convention borrow... yep. that's called simon and that nobody knows really you know what i'm talking about okay <laughs> you know uh on uh on one of the uh, uh magic uh, uh forums uh somebody gave the advice that the uh if you wanted to memorize a deck you should just shuffle up a deck until it's in a random order and memorize that mm-hmm. and i told that to simon aronson and he said well they almost had it right what you should do is shuffle a deck of cards until it's in Aronson order and then memorize that. So I love it. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So what's coming up from you? I, uh, right now, travel seems to be uh, easing up a little bit. How is the COVID situation in France right now? How are you guys doing? Um, COVID situation is getting better. Uh, obviously I could stop doing uh, live shows again. Uh like in starting in July, yes. So I got my uh, one-man show called Crescendo at the Double Four in Paris, Dominique de Vivier's place. And um, I've done like a couple of days ago here. And uh, so it's good. I mean, we were, you know, like every show was sold out. People were obviously happy just to go back and see live shows. Great. Um, and so, yes, that's, that's really good. Uh, next week, I'm doing a festival that has been postponed like three or four times already, but it's finally happening. Uh, the French convention, the French National Convention, was uh, a month ago uh, also la- live in person. Uh, mm. We got a little less people than usually, but it it just, it worked. It, it worked pretty well. Great. Uh, so, yeah, situation is not, you know, not the best still. We got lots of uh, mandatory things and the mask and the health pass to go yeah. everywhere. But um but at least, yes, uh, it's it's starting to work again. Like private right. stuff and, and company gigs and stuff, ah, slowly. Still like slow, people yeah. Have, yeah, people don't, didn't have the time to plan anything. It's last-minute stuff. And, yeah. and uh, from my friends, I'm hearing that a lot of the corporate stuff is going back to being Zooms for the shows that are coming up. In, oh, really? No, Yeah, oh. and I don't know exactly why. I don't know what's oh. going on there. Um, are you uh, coming over for... Uh, FISM in Canada next year? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yes, Great. I've never missed the FISM, uh, you know, for... Uh, well, no, I missed one because it was in Japan 94. I couldn't afford to fly the flight. Uh, but I've been to every FISM since uh, since 88. And, oh, wow. Uh, Were you in Beijing? I, 
Yes, I was the uh, I was the head of the jury in in Beijing. Oh, oh wow! Oh, that's right. So, I remember. Uh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. I was I just, in Beijing uh, was interesting. Oh yeah. Well, I just uh, did a about an hour and a half chat with uh, David Williamson on his Slight School oh. website, and we talked about our horror stories of uh the beijing fism uh i had i had no idea of all the problems he was going through and he had no idea of all the problems i was going through trying to do the music for the contest shows oh but, yeah uh, true. it was uh it was quite uh as bob reed used to say i could get five minutes out of that so at least i have a story <laughs> at least i have a story to tell well, my friend, thank you very much for spending a little time with me. I sure appreciate it. It's always nice to catch up with you. I uh, I enjoy working through um, your routines. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it occurs to me that I uh, I have a couple of thoughts on the very first trick in your variations um, book, which I will talk to you about, um, mm-hmm. Uh, but not, of course, uh, on the air, because uh, that wouldn't be fair, would it, gang? No, it wouldn't be fair at all. <laughs> so, Boris Wilde, again, a great pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining, and uh, we'll talk again down the road. Be safe, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Michael. Always a pleasure. <laughs> this has been another Conversation with Close. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to tell your friends. Like us on Facebook at Michael Close Magic. Follow us on Twitter at Mike Close Magic and visit our website, michaelclose.com. If you'd like to help support these podcasts, you can do that at anchor.fm slash Michael Close. In that way, we can continue to bring you high quality content. Until next time, so long from the Great White North.